Good morning. Welcome to the Cape League Roundup. Episode 11 of the Cape League Roundup Podcast is here. I'm Chris Lynch, and this was a full slate of games with a lot of runs that crossed the plate across these various games. So let's get to talking about it with probably the most wild game of the day. YD defeats Orleans 11-9. At one point early on in this game, it was going quite, quite badly for the YD Red Sox. The Firebirds got out to a 4-0 lead at the end of just the second inning. YD cut it to a 4-3 game. Then it was a 7-3 game in the fifth inning. And by the time we got into the seventh inning, and by the way, this was only a seven-inning game because they ran out of light to play with at that uh at that at that uh, little band box in South Dennis, it was nine to five, and then in the bottom half of the seventh inning, YD proceeded to score six runs to complete a remarkable, remarkable comeback. And this was a game in which the Orleans starter Orion Kerkering, I think is how you pronounce his name, did it. Decent enough job. Five innings, three hits, pardon me, four hits, three runs, one walk, three Ks. That's not bad. That's fine against a team in YD who has a who has a field advantage of it's a small outfield and it's a small place where you can get some more runs across, even though they have been struggling this year, but that's not bad by him. It's just that the bullpen for the Firebirds was unable to really hold it together. The win on this game ends up going to the last pitcher who threw, because you can't, by rule, give it to anybody else. It went to Eli Morse, who only threw two-thirds of an inning, one hit, one K, and three batters in three batters faced. So, I mean, that's the, he's the only guy that you actually can, by rule, award anything to. Probably the best pitcher on the day was Patrick Gallagher, who gave up four runs and no earned. Two hits, three walks, three Ks. YD did not pitch very well. They gave up nine runs on six hits and committed two errors. Orleans committed two errors of their own. And that's not... It's not a cleanly played game, but it's a needed win for YD, who snaps a losing streak and gets to 10, 8, and 5. And they are still very on the outside looking in behind Brewster and Harwich in the East Orleans. At least by point total is behind Chatham, though by winning percentage, Chatham is in last place in the East. So a fun offensive game. Uh, three runs scored by Chase DeLauter for Orleans, who has consistently been one of the top offensive performers. He's still hitting over 300 with six home runs on the season from James Madison. He's had a very good offensive season and has really done his job effectively, so that's a good job by him. Tyler Locklear from Virginia Commonwealth had a great game. He got two hits, a double that drove in some runs, and a home run that drove in some runs, and four RBI total, and a run scored himself off 
the home run, of course. The Firebirds definitely have some offense. The problem is that they've had a difficult time stringing some pitching together. Uh, Orleans is going to be at Hyannis, who finally has won a baseball game for the first time in a while. So that's very nice for them. And YD is hosting Harwich. We'll talk more about those games when we get there. We'll move over to the other game that was... Actually, let's talk about the game that finally saw Hyannis win a baseball game because, yay, they won, yay. And they did it on the back of excellent, excellent pitching. Jonas Scalaro from Florida State started this game. Six innings, one run, one hit, two walks, 10 Ks. He was awesome in this game against the Falmouth Commodores. And they gave... The last three innings to Nolan Crisp from Georgia, who got the save, his first of the season. And again, three innings, no runs, two hits, 1K and 11 batters faced. He let his defense play well behind him. That's a great, great performance. The loss ends up going to the Falmouth starter Mason Pelio from Boston College. He only gave up two runs on six hits. That's not as bad as it could have possibly been. He struck out six. So that's not that bad. It's just you're going to have a hard time with, uh, with the opportunity to climb back in. Three of the runs came against Casey Hunt from Mississippi State in the eighth inning for the Harbor Hawks, which uh, to this point is the best offensive uh, offensive inning and best feeling that that team has had in a very long time. Two runs came in the second inning and two runs came in the if three runs came in the eighth inning. Two of those runs came home on a Dominic Johnson home run, the left fielder from Oklahoma State hitting his second home run of the season. That had to feel good. Like that win had to feel good. It snaps what was a 12-game losing streak and gets Hyannis to 3-19. and God, that's such a tough season. But you know what? They won a ball game yesterday. Good for them. And Hyannis is scheduled uh, today to be hosting the Orleans Firebirds. They're going to send Adrian Ceravo from Weatherford College and from Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire, on to the hill. Uh, he's pitched effectively for his time. It's just that he's been on the tough luck end of a bunch of Hyannis bullpen meltdowns. So here's hoping that he gets another opportunity to pitch well and that he, you know, makes something really cool out of it. Uh, we'll jump back into the chronological sequence of games. Wareham and Brewster... Ian Brewster, Wareham got out to a 3-0 lead in the third inning. Mason Barnett struggled in that one inning, and really only that one inning. Seven hits, three runs, all of them came in that one inning, and five Ks gotten. Once he got through the third inning, he figured it out and got himself back up and running. Owen Diodati had an RBI base hit. Sean McClain had a single that brought home a run as well, and Jim Jarvis had a sacrifice fly that brought home Sean McClain to score were the way that those three runs came across. Then in the fourth inning, it got out of hand quickly. Five runs crossed the plate in the fourth inning 
for the Whitecaps, and it was uh, it was keyed up by some of the new guys, Chris Lanzilli, Chad Castillo, and Spencer Jones, all with hits, and all these coming off of Jack Brannigan, who came on in relief. He faced a grand total of four batters. He walked one. He allowed three hits. All four runners came around to score, and he didn't get anybody out, so that's... That's kind of tough. And the new guy who came in right after him, Ethan Chenault from North Carolina Wilmington, had a tough game as well. So, uh, sorry guys. The top performers, again, Chad Castillo from California Baptist, drove in two runs. Uh, sorry, he scored two runs and he got two hits. Mac Bingham with two hits. He drove in three runs. The Outfielder from Arizona, Nick Bittison scored two runs, got a hit and drove in a run as well. The utility player from Virginia Tech who has been picking it up lately. This was a pretty balanced offensive performance and a pretty balanced total team performance. So the Whitecaps stay in first place at 13-7-2. They are just a little bit ahead of Harwich was going to be at YD this afternoon and let's let's talk about the Harwich game next because they won against Chatham yesterday to keep pace and it's a good it was a good pitching display for the most part one run for Harwich came across in the first inning Brock Wilkin with an RBI double to bring home Chris Newell those two guys in the middle of that lineup have really caused a lot of problems for teams. Chatham got one run back in the fifth inning. Danny Ceretti with a base hit to bring home Josh Rivera. That tied the game at one apiece. And the starters, well, both the starters were off the hook at that point. Eric Razelman from Louisiana State. Five innings, six hits, seven Ks, one walk, one run. He pitched really effectively and did his job in order to, you know, try and keep his team in the lead. Just had the one inning where stuff didn't really go his way. And then following that, Chatham took a 2-1 lead in the seventh inning. Uh, they got the benefit of a Josh Rivera solo home run, which I'm sure got the 2,207 people at Veterans Field last night all excited. And then Harwich had an answer in the eighth inning. Carter Putz had a uh, base hit that brought home both Bress, the Press Kavanaugh and Brock Wilkin. That ended up making it a 3-2 game, and that would end up being the final. The win ends up going to Alex Rao from Notre Dame. Two innings, one run, two hits, two Ks, two walks. Uh, you couldn't give it to the starter by rule, but you could give it to the first guy who came in. And probably the most impressive performance, the closer, Owen Cody from the University of Pennsylvania. He has an ERA of zero and 18 strikeouts in 10 innings. And this most recent performance, two innings thrown, no runs, no hits, no walks, three Ks, and six batters faced. If you get into a close game against the Mariners and you're facing Owen Cody, you're in some real trouble. The loss ends up going to Alexander McFarland from Miami, who didn't pitch badly. Four hits, two runs. One of those was unearned because of a passed ball. So one earned run and six Ks without walking anybody. That's not bad. It's just 
Harwich is finding ways and really creating ways to win baseball games. 12, 7, and 3 are the Mariners. They're going to be at YD this afternoon, 5 p.m. first pitch. Andrew Mosiello from Oregon is going to take the mound as their starter. Luis Ramirez is scheduled to be the starter for the YD Red Sox from Cal State Long Beach. Meanwhile, the Whitecaps are going to be hosting the Cotuit Cataliers. They're going to put Bryce Hubbard from Florida State on the mound, and he's been elite, thrown 20 innings so far with 32 Ks. He's been one of the workhorse starters for the Whitecaps for the whole summer, and as long as Florida State allows him to be out here, he's going to keep being that. Cotuit, well, let's talk about the Cotuit game that was played yesterday before we jump in. It was a 3-1 to born victory, so the Braves improved to 17-2-3. and Bourne got all three of their runs in the fifth inning and chased the Cotuit starter Jake Brooks from UCLA who didn't do that badly. Four and two-thirds, four hits, three runs, four Ks, one walk, and all the runs came across in one inning. So that's not bad, but it does drop Katuit back to an even 500 record, so that's kind of a problem. Uh, Christian Napzik with an RBI double that brought home Peter Burns, and then Max Anderson with a two-run home run that chased the starter Brooks and it's every single time that Bourne needs something in order to go their way they get it that's uh that's a wonderful job Max Anderson from Nebraska Lincoln and by the way you look up his uh his headshot it he looks he looks genuinely like a child <laughs> oh he looks like he's still in high school but man 288 is his batting average, a homer, six ribbies, and 14 games played with four doubles as well. He looks very young. He certainly does not play like it. That's a good performance by the Bourne Braves. The win ends up going to their starter, Jordan Patty from Central Michigan, who threw five innings, no runs, three hits, two Ks. He didn't walk anybody. Not a high strikeout guy, but you don't need to be a high strikeout guy in order to get outs, especially when your defense behind you is playing so incredibly effectively. The one Katuit run came across in the seventh inning. It was on a wild pitch, actually. Nathan Martorella came home and scored. There were two more guys on base. Or there was one more guy on base, and the tying runner was at the plate, but... They got the K when they needed. It's a good win for Patty, and Eric Adler came on and got the save through the last inning of the game. 1K and three batters faced. The middle reliever who gave up the only run was Benjamin Etheridge from Southern Mississippi, and he was still pretty effective, too. Four Ks and 11 batters faced. Bourne doing everything right, and Katuit right now on the outside looking in. They're 11 and 11. They're actually the only other team in the West that is even at 500. So they're still looking like they're going to finish up second place, despite the fact that they're on a two-game losing skid and are five and five in their last 10 games. Meanwhile, Bourne just pulling away from everybody, 17, two and three. It's just an incredible performance by the Braves to this point. 
they are the team of the season with a positive run differential of plus 54. Brewster has the second highest run differential at plus 20. It's quite a quite a day, quite a performance. So Katuit again facing Brewster. Bryce Hubbard will be on the mound for the Whitecaps. Dalton Rogers is currently the scheduled starter for the Cavaliers. He is one and zero with a 2.45 ERA so far. Only two appearances. He's only had one start. So we'll see what he can do. But this is a game that Katuit really does need to get a victory in. Meanwhile, Bourne is going to send Jake Bennett from Oklahoma to the mound for his fourth start and fifth appearance. He actually doesn't have a decision on the season, but he's pitched well enough to help get his team some wins, so that's pretty good. He will be going against the Falmouth Commodores. We're going to put Tyler Tuthill from Appalachian State on the mound, who's 1-0 on the season and had his most recent performance in a one nothing born win over Orleans, in which he threw six innings of shutout ball with two hits and five Ks. So that's that's really, really good. Uh, that's that performance. Orleans is at Hyannis. I mentioned the players will be going for that one. I don't have a probable starter for the Firebirds. And then Wareham is at Chatham. Sebastian Kane is the scheduled starter for the Anglers from Northeastern. This will be his third start. He's looking to try and get something positive going in his direction because he's just had a tough time. And then Mac Anglin from Clemson is scheduled to get the start for the uh, for the Wareham Gatemen. So best of luck to him in that performance. We're coming up on the last stretch of the season in which the way the playoff picture looks right now, Bourne is well ahead. They'll be top seed in the West unless they suffer some horrid calamity. Katuit is currently in second place at 11-11-0, but they're kind of a tough team to figure because there's some games where they look awesome and some games where they just plain don't have it. Falmouth is third, but they would have to really come up with a big comeback effort in order to have a shot here down the stretch. Same kind of deal for Wareham and Hyannis is uh, 3-19. Meanwhile, in the East, Brewster, 13-7-2. Chatham is, pardon me, Harwich is nipping at their heels at 12-7-3. They're just one point, one more tie, and one fewer win than the Whitecaps in the standings. We're going to have a couple of... Harwich versus Brewster games down the stretch. And these are two teams trending in the right direction. Both teams have won three in a row. And Brewster is 7-3 and three in their last 10. Harwich is 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. This, that chase is going to be interesting. And YD is right behind them at 10-8-5. Orleans isn't that far behind at 8-9-4, but they'd have to put together a real run in Chatham while not out of it, is 9-12-3. So points-wise, they're ahead of Orleans because they've just played fewer games. And uh, YD is the closest of the teams currently outside the playoffs. They're going to have to come up with a real push in order to have a shot here down the stretch, and especially since they're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 games. They're going to need some kind of uh, turnaround in the offense. They're going to have to wake up similarly to 
how they did yesterday and you know, see if they're able to uh, string that all together. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cape League Roundup Podcast. I'm Chris Lynch. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Get out and enjoy some sun and enjoy some baseball.